This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Lulu Bread. It is such a joy to connect with you. We met that one time in Alexandra's, I don't know, was it her apartment? Alexandra Roxo. She was a guest on the on the show also. And she was like, I don't know if she was giving you a healing and I was giving her a healing. And we were just in this soup of healing each other. Oh, yeah. I think I, I think our, our paths crossed for maybe 15 minutes. And then I started following you online and I couldn't stop. Uh, same to you. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Um, will you um, do me a favor and introduce yourself to the audience? Of course. Uh, my name is Lulu Brud. Um, do you want me to say what I do? Yeah, I mean, anything anything you want to share. I mean, what you do is so interesting to me. Um, your advocacy work has been so inspiring. Your motherhood journey is something I would love to talk about. So whatever, however you want to frame it, um, you're always more than welcome. I, thank you. Um, I feel like the last few years have been a lot of pivots, a lot of, a lot of spin, mm. um, but I am an actress um, and in the last couple of years stepped into um, more of my interior design arm um, and yeah, it's been wild. <laughs> um, you were an actress on it. Was it Pretty Little Liars? Is that, is that your, was that your big role? That was the one I think that was probably predominantly recognized. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Pretty Little Liars. I did a couple episodes of Ray Donovan and some mm-hmm. like other shows here and there. Yes. Cool, so cool. And I know that when we first started um, following each other, you very often were, um, you know, sharing your beautiful aesthetic around ritual and um, and design. And recently, you you pivoted to do that more full time. Is that right? Correct. Yes, uh, that kind of was a a pandemic pivot for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, we moved out of LA in 2020 accidentally, and then kind of on purpose. Um, we left for what we thought was going to be two weeks and went to Joshua Tree to stay at um, a house that I was working on that was about to be done. And then two weeks became two months and two months has now been two and a half years. And <laughs> we no wow. longer stay and um, we live here full time. Joshua Tree is so magical. I've never been, but Laura was just there and I have a lot of FOMO because mm-hmm. it seems like a really spiritual community and also just like the... The natural beauty is just stunning. It's the desert, isn't it? It's wild. It's so funny because at first glance, it seems like so austere and like, how could anything live here? But you have to go really soft focus on it. And um, there's such a, there's so many beautiful, very distinct seasons out here and so many things that grow, but um, you have to like look for them. Um, and now that we've been a few cycles of life here, um, and seasons, like I, I love everyone for different reasons. Mm. Well, you use the word wild, and I know that your son's name is Wilder, so we might as well introduce him. <laughs> <laughs> he is—he just turned three last week, and um, he is really, really stepping into his name. He's <laughs> really, 
starting to own his name. (laughs) I love that. Yes. Like he's like, oh, you know what, Laura, we hear your construction just so you know. New York City, baby. (laughs) Have you ever lived in New York City? I haven't. Or have you always been a West Coast? I've been a West Coast girl. I mean, I I grew up on the East Coast. um, Oh, and like New York was always super close. So I always thought I would end up in New York. But when I dropped mm-hmm. out of college, I had more connections and friends in Los Angeles. So I was 19 when I moved to LA. So I had to go somewhere where I knew people. And I feel like I missed the boat on New York because at the time, at the time, it's very different now. You could be like, oh, I'll get like a, I have so much more house in LA than I would in New York. So I'm just going to totally go to LA and like not live in a closet. And now I think it's just, <laughs> it's true though. I mean, it's like a real thing. Yeah. We live in way, way smaller quarters. I mean, there are benefits and, you know, cost benefit analysis around all of it, but yeah. space wise, like it's legit. <laughs> um, it's like, it's pretty real. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about your a- advocacy around, um, abortion is healthcare and how you came to that. Um, I love the way you share it and how you engage your community around it. And I think now is a really important time to pass the mic to women like you who both have experience, passion, and have had real conversations around this issue. Um, because we need to hear we we need to hear from you, you know, and I'm just so grateful that you're that you're willing to share and advocate for for all women and our right our rights to choose. It is. Uh, I feel that anyone who wants to have an abortion or needs to have an abortion should have the right to have an abortion. I I say that as a mother who has a kid and knows what it takes and the toll it takes on you and your body. And, um, my specific journey into that, I've always had that stance, but, um, before my son Wilder was born, I was pregnant with a little girl in 2018. Um, and, uh, I lost her at seven months. And, um, I mean, it's just like total nightmare situation. And I was not prepared to go through labor in any way, shape or form. Um, And for me, like just getting through the experience was the most important thing. Like at a certain point it became about like my healthcare um, and my sanity. Was that, was that perceived or was that, was that um, what the doctors had sort of said, like um, your healthcare, meaning your, body was at, at risk at that point or, or no? I had a very bad experience and I had contemplated at the time filing like a medical malpractice lawsuit uh, with my doctor um, because yeah. I'm so neglectful. But, you know, it's been like, wow, almost like the hell would my daughter be? My daughter would be four in November. Um, so it's been a minute now. Um, so it just felt like a not great use of my energy. Um, basically I had, I had just (laughs) come back from New York. Actually, I had shot an episode of Ray Donovan and they had written me in as being pregnant, um, which is so lovely. I mean, you know, it's really 
challenging when you're pregnant to get work. Get work. It's anything other than like a pregnant person. <laughs> um, well, e- even 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 a pregnant person, they would just put on a prosthetic right um, belly, and you know, and to be to have a job on Ray Donovan, which is a Showtime show, is like is a big deal in and of itself. The fact that they wrote in that you were pregnant is says a lot about your relationship with them, your work, oh, and your value you. to them because it's it's not the norm. It it's is not the norm a, at all. I, I, <laughs> because they had called my, my team saying, hey, we're going to bring her back. Um, can we soft pin these dates? And I was like, do we tell them that I'm pregnant? Like, do we not tell them I'm pregnant? They're like, let's just hold. And... They finally called and they were like, so here's the deal. I mean, here, here's the thing. Uh, we, we have a sex scene for her. Um, mm. Just want to make sure that we're okay there. And I was like, I think, I, I mean, I think you're going to have to tell them now. That I'm How far along were you? I was seven months. I mean, I was like oh, yeah. six and a half months, I believe. Like I shot it During over. The- so um, yeah, I was like six and a half uh, months pregnant when I was there. Which which looks a lot like maybe you had just gained weight, you know, like it doesn't necessarily, especially with the first pregnancy, it doesn't necessarily mean that you look pregnant. Of course, like I know this because I not, I don't know your, your body actually, but I know this because I was also auditioning until I literally couldn't audition anymore and working until I literally couldn't work anymore until yeah. someone was like, you are not invited into this room. In fact, <laughs> please leave. You know, like I just like pushed tooth and nail and I, you know, I have this like smaller frame, but I'm curvy. And so I just like would always just be like, I gain weight. What? You what? know, but um, especially at six months, like it just looks like maybe you just like ate a big meal or except that if you are naked. Yeah. I was like, well, I mm-hmm. guess it doesn't look like a big meal. It looks like a ball, it's, right? Yeah. Is that, yeah. What, is that what it looked like? Okay. Um, and my boobs were huge. So I was like, well, you know, they're never going to look this good again. So let's just do it. Um, nice. <laughs> but so they, yeah, they kept it in. They like wrote it in and um, wow. it was really fun. I remember being like, this is my last like adventure solo, but like still not really solo because I was very pregnant. Um, and went home. And when I got home from New York, um, I had my best friend had a baby shower that I had to throw for her. And so I remember I got home on like a Wednesday and I told my husband, Justin, I was like, I just, I'm feeling weird. I don't feel her moving as much as she was. And I did the thing where you like drink Coke and then you like, wait to see if she starts kicking. (laughs) And I, yeah, because usually like the cold water or caffeine and sugar would make the fetus move. Yeah. So I convinced myself, I was like, okay, I think I felt her, you know, just like convincing myself of the things I needed to hear. Um, I threw bubbles, bubbles, bubbles. Yes. You know, like it's not just convincing, like there were sensations, I'm sure like a Coke. Anyway, just wanted to, you know, it is confusing. Oh, it is. It's totally. And, yeah. you know, your mind will play tricks to tell, convince you of what it is that you need to hear. Um, and I called the doctor and I was like, I think I need to come in. And the this doctor's office was closed on Fridays. So she was like, well, you'd have to go to the hospital. And that just felt so dramatic to me. So I had my 
best friend's baby shower that weekend. And then I had an appointment set up on Monday. So I waited until Monday and went in for my regular appointment. And I just felt like ill. I knew something was off. And yeah, just like it's been four years and I still get emotional. Um, It's emotional. I'm so grateful for you sharing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there was was no heartbeat anymore. And I, the doctor at the time who I was seeing said, you know, well, you can technically wait two weeks. What? And at that point, I had no fluid in my body. (laughs) I had lost all of my uh, fluid. Amniotic. Like amniotic fluid? Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every time I moved, I could feel her moving. And I was like, you, you want uh. me to go two weeks like this? Like what? Um, and she said before the other you labored? Before, before you labored? Yeah. Wow. Um, or the other option was to go get induced and go to the hospital immediately. And I just couldn't get my head around that. I was like, there has to be there has to be like another way. And she's like, well, I don't do that here. And I felt so judged for seeking another way because um, I just couldn't, like, I felt like I would have a complete breakdown if I had to do that. Um, If I had to. And and she is, this is your OB? Mm Mm-hmm. And my friends were the ones that rallied around and made the calls. And, you know, granted, I'm 28 weeks pregnant. Um, it's really pregnant. Yeah. It's really pregnant. Um, so uh, they called around to multiple places and the responses that we got. And this is in California. This is in Los Angeles where we have access seemingly to abortion health care. Um, and this was in 2018, mm-hmm. right? This yeah. was also a different world where Roe v. Wade wasn't overturned. This was when it was "quote unquote" easy or yeah, easy, streamlined. Right? Yep. And here's the thing: my daughter was gone. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I was terminating. This was a medical abortion, yeah. like all medical abortions. But this would have been a. It wasn't a termination. My daughter was gone, and people still wouldn't touch me you know you, uh, it's it's such a shame that our videos are off like I wish I could you know look you in the eye and just let you know how much reverence I have for you and this experience oh thank how you. much love I have for you and um how awful it is that that OB is in that position oh god it really and still practice it's just so unfair yeah yeah, and so we found we found a doctor at UCLA that took my case and saved, you know, my life. <laughs> um and I will never forget her. And I never heard from that OB. I never got a follow-up like, hey, what did you decide to do? Are you okay? And that's where the medical malpractice would come in because technically you're still their patient, you're still under their care they should be checking in on you. Um, and just because I had chosen to go about it in a different way that seemingly she wouldn't have <laughs> chosen for herself or had judgment on, um, 
yeah, I felt uh, just very dismissed by her. I, just to clarify, the two options were either wait two weeks for a spontaneous mm-hmm. labor slash uh, miscarriage, right? Yeah. Still birth. Or stillbirth, my goodness. A stillbirth that you were... Um, or go straight to the hospital right then to get induced? Ad- mm-hmm. What was the third option? What were you seeking that was so upsetting to this I was seeking person an that has no... An abortion. Mm-hmm. What, is that like a C-section? Or was it uh, like a DNC? It's a D&E. D&E, okay. That's like the step after a DNC. Okay. It's the wow. same, it's a similar process from what I understand. I'm not a doctor. Um, but it's technically like a later form of abortion, a DNC. It's just such a reminder, like, you know, this isn't a gendered issue. Like, it's not that every woman understands the rights for women. It's, it, it, I mean, this is, a, this is a person, a doctor, whose job it is to make sure that you are first and foremost healthy of body and yeah. of mind. And she really missed the mark. Yeah, it was... It was super traumatic and, you know, I was really lucky in some ways. Like we had just finished doing her, her, uh, nursery. Like it was, I remember so beautiful mural in her room and you had, you had announced her name. Um, Yeah. Well, actually we didn't announce her name. We kept it secret. And we kept, we kept it. I think it was only maybe last year when I spoke her name because what is it? we, it's Zella. Z-E-L-L. Um, we didn't, we, when you go through this experience, there's so much grief and shock. Like I, uh, you're just trying to like get through a day. Um, we were presented with, um, at the hospital, which I also was not prepared for, was like her death certificate because after a certain amount, oh, no. you have paperwork. So, um, we H- after have, a certain amount of time in utero, mm-hmm. I believe it's twenty weeks, maybe twenty two or twenty four. But I think it's twenty. I want to say Lulu. Yeah. So we had to. You know, when we opted for a DNE, they said, you know, you're like, they're making sure you're of sound mind and taking you through everything. And she's like, you know, you, you probably won't get to have any part of her, you know, she's going to be gone. I'm like, okay. Cause you know, if you were to labor, you could hold your child, but like, I couldn't. You couldn't. Yeah. Of course you couldn't. Some people can't. Some people can, and that, you know, that that's their choice too. Yeah. They should have the option, judgment-free. I mean, to be a mother is like, oh my God, it's <laughs> the most vulnerable experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's the most vulnerable experience. We should be treated with care. Yes. I mean, that's all it is. It's, it's just, it's care. And the amount of, I mean, I hate being right and saying, I told you so. I mean, I don't really, 
they're kind of like when I'm having a moment of right, but like I hate it in this situation because the amount of people who, the amount of stories that are already starting to come out about women in states where they've totally taken abortion off the table, who have who are at risk of losing their life, who uh, didn't have the option, who nearly died because they were forced into situations that they shouldn't have been forced into. Um, in childbirth, you know, like the hemorrhaging, like all the things that I've already started reading about. I'm like, yeah, guys, we knew that people were going to be dying. Like, it's a big deal. You know, like it's healthcare. That's all it is. I mean, it's just like, you know, when I hear you, all I can think is like, that's torture. Yeah. Like that's torture. When we have... The ability yes. it's to just provide stupid. dignity to not only you, but your unborn child, your yep. husband, yep. your community. Why would we not provide that? That's torture. Yeah. It's like, we know that people think so little of women or people with uteruses to begin with. Right. So it's like, oh, cool. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. What else? What else you got? Right, but it's being perpetuated by another woman, right? Like the judgment, right? Yeah, from my like, That's like, that's wild to me. That's yeah. wild to me that it's being perpetuated by our own. Yeah. So how did you grieve? And you still mm. are, I'm, I, I see, and I hold space for in like the most loving way, really. How do you even start grieving in that? situation? I mean, it's a process. It's, it's perpetual, you know, like you said, like it's, there's like moments that'll hit me still, (laughs) obviously. Yeah. Um, And it makes pregnancy after like really challenging because the whole time you're afraid. So it's like, I feel like some people just step into pregnancy and love it and love being pregnant and love that experience. And I found that with Wilder, I had so far to go before I passed that threshold of seven months. Wow. Like a mantra of, you know, this, this is different. This time is different. This time is different. So I didn't compare everything to my prior experience or be waiting for the shoe to drop or, you know, yeah. That takes so much bravery. I mean, yeah, you just, you, there's, what's wild is having been through it. What I learned when I was going through it is that I felt so alone. Yeah. Um, and like, why me? Why, like this you know, but what I learned is that it's actually very common. And I met so many people through this experience and was introduced to so many people because I needed a story to like, hold on to, to have hope, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But was just like introduced to so many people who had lost very late. And because it's something that we don't hold space for, in our society, people don't, we don't want to talk about death. We don't want to talk about grieving. We don't want to talk about the uncomfortable things that are supposed to be in shadow and in dark. And it's like, 
you know, you're not supposed to announce that you're pregnant until you're 12 weeks or whatever. And it's just like, that just constantly puts women in a place of having to hold the secret. We don't want to know if you lose it. We don't want, like, I want people to celebrate, you know, when they get to announce that. And I want also for them to be held in their grief, not to have to be like, well, nobody knew that I was. So then now I got to hide this thing. I got to hide my grief. You know, I just think it's such a unfortunately common thing. Um, so, and it's systemic, right? Because it's like, we are so uncomfortable with grief that we can't let it process. Mm-hmm. We can't let it process. And it's like what I was saying about like turning the mic, the um, the video back on for the listener. We were having some tech issues where we thought maybe it was better for us to keep the the video off just so that we could hear each other better. But like really a story like this is meant to be shared holding hands, looking at the very least looking each other in the eye, you know, like. A story like this is to be held with reverence and love and, I mean, to be celebrated for the amount of resilience you have to bring another child into the world, to advocate for women, to to even utter the story, not because it's something at all to be at all yeah. ashamed <laughs> about, but just, just to have the courage to, to visit it again. Oh, yeah. Just to have the courage to visit the imagery and the and the feelings, and what you and I both know as storytellers is that this is how we heal. Yes, this is it how is. we do it. We tell the story. We tell the story to a person who's not afraid of my grief. Yeah, you have to tell it so that it doesn't have like power over everything or dictate everything in your life. You know, I, in the right time, obviously. You know. Sure. It, you, yeah. you took some time before you were public about it. Is that right? I, I mean, took, took a little bit of time. The The odd thing, I mean, <laughs> it's, the, it's funny. My best friend and I were five weeks apart. Wow. She is very much in the public eye. And when everything happened, um, we ended up, my husband and I left our apartment because we couldn't like, we didn't want to be in there and our friends sort of broke down the nursery and had our house deep cleaned and put food in our fridge because like we just couldn't function. (laughs) And in a way I'm really glad that we didn't have children yet because we could be messy with our grief because I don't even know like how that would dictate how you grieve if you had another child already here yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was staying at my best friend's house and I was getting tagged in all of these pictures that she had been like photographed by a paparazzi or something. And she was super, super pregnant. People were like, oh my God, it's wild. You guys are pregnant at the same time. It's so crazy. And they didn't know that at that time I was like upstairs having a panic attack, you know, like recovering from my loss while I'm getting sent and tagged in all these pictures of her being pregnant. Um, And like, I love her daughter. Her daughter will always be five weeks older than my daughter Mm -hmm. and her. And Wilder was actually born. uh, They're a day, her daughter and Wilder are a day apart. (laughs) That's awesome. 
is wild. A day in a year, you say? Yeah. Um, wow. Do I think that I, I think I probably took a week and a half or two weeks before I said anything. But I definitely felt pressure to speak to it. Because well, you had been open about you had been open about it up until that point. I mean, not that that I just wanted to tell the listener what I what I know is that you know what you you are a st- storyteller and yeah. and also in the public eye, and so I'm sorry for that pressure. I just I wanted to give context. Oh yeah, no, it's fine. It's it. totally yeah, fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think. It- I took a minute. I took a beat, but I felt like it had to be spoken. It would have been weird if I, I, I mean, like literally nothing else felt. Like anything was happening. Like I had anything to say besides that. I'm like, I don't, this is where I've, I've been to hell and back. Hmm. Was it helpful to share that early on? Do you think? I found Not that it, to feel people's love and community around you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I felt really, really held, and and like I said, by speaking about it, I had so many people reach out to me about their own losses, or hey, when you're ready, I have somebody you can talk to. Um, and now, you know, I sort of act as that person for other people. I get people reach out to me. I would say. Once a month, I get somebody messaging me about a leak with a friend of theirs. Yeah. And you, I, do you like when people reach out to you about it? I, sometimes it catches me at a time that's not great for me, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know? Yeah, of course but, I know. So I remember what it felt like to be held by strangers who just let me cry and talk and held space for me, you know? And that there could be examples to me of people that got on the other side of it. Hmm. And so I had these people for me and I can be this person for this other person at this time. Well, besides that one-on-one support that you give other people, which I, which I know is, is so nurturing to you. I, I know you, you, you're already like such a nurturing person, but um, you also have been advocating sort of en masse um, how has that been? Uh, it's maddening. Yeah. I mean, I've shared my experience so many times to give people context. And like I said in the beginning, you want to get an abortion, you get an abortion. You don't need to give any context for why you have an abortion, right? Mm-hmm. Like I love, there's so many great accounts that, I think shout your abortion is one of them. It's like that give stories and explanations for this. And it's like, you don't need to have any, people don't need any reason. They don't need to offer any reason to anybody for what they do with their body. Um, but I like to share my story with context so that people understand. Yeah. Definitely gotten into it with people on my Instagram before. They're really? typically men what um and I remember when I was saying I think this was like a year ago when I shared this story again and I was like look I had a DNC and people love to tell me that 
or a DNA, I'm sorry. And people love to tell me that that's not what they're talking about, that that stuff's still going to be on the table. People will still be able to get that. And I'm like, no, they won't. And I've been screaming this for so long and now it's happening. And I'm like, Bleh. remember when I said this was going to happen? I it's just, happening. It's I happening. I'm, I didn't see it coming. I'm sorry that I didn't see it coming, but I didn't see it coming. And uh, that's the truth of that. Well, it's like you we live in these, right? In theory. Right. And what's scary is that if, if, you know, if the Republicans take over, then they want to make it a nationwide ban. So there won't be anywhere safe. You know, I, that's petrifying. Um, you know, when I listened to you, and I, and we had one other guest come on to talk about uh, her abortion, and even then, I had I like hesitated to call it an abortion because the child was growing up normally and all this, and the, it's 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 an abortion, so we should call it that. Medical um, for her, yeah, right. And you know, here we are talking, telling the stories. And I'm, I just, just like you said, it's like, we don't need to go through torture. We don't need to be tortured for this no. to be a necessity, you know? And, um, and, and, you know, I, what's interesting is that I have several friends who have had abortions, um, family members and, um, electively, um, early on and, you know, I I haven't been able to have them on because there's still a stigma even within oneself, even within my own progressive community where they just don't want to talk about it. They feel ashamed. Yes. And I am yes. so sorry for that because there is no shame. We need not go through torture, like literal, actual medical torture to make this valid. And what's wild to me, it just feels like, why are we moving backwards? We have the technology. It saves lives. Right. To, to look at a woman and say, I'm sorry, I can't help you. When you very well could, just feels like medical abuse. It, feel, it is medical abuse, Lulu. Yes. You opened this conversation with a conversation with a neglectful doctor. I don't know what was going through that person's mind, but that was abuse. Yeah. I, that is that is wild, and it you know it's it's so crazy because it's like it's like she owes you money. She owes you therapy money. Oh, <laughs> she I fucking know. owes you money. She owes you money for that move. <laughs> she no. owes you. I just, you know, I'm, I'm being spiteful. But that's the game I played with. Like I could have medical malpracticed her, but you know, I'm happy. I have my son. I, you know, I, we got through it in the way that we got through it, and you know, we. I think I was going to speak to this about her name. We mm. had um, her death certificate that we got. You know, you get asked like right after surgery, did you have a, do you have a name? Like, what would you like for this to say? And you're like, I'm just coming out of 
surgery. Like what? So on her birth certificate. certificate. Did you get a birth certificate also? No, just a death certificate. Wow. Because it was a stillbirth. Um, oh, this was, I almost, I've like blocked this out. On her death certificate, it says cause of death and it says termination. Huh. Because we can't let a moment go by without making a person feel shame for how they chose to pass their child. There's not a termination. My daughter is gone. Yes. But according to medical terms, which need to change, much like geriatric pregnancies, (laughs) it needs to change. And we didn't want to give her her name because in some corner of our mind at the time we were like she's gonna come back you know this is her name um so we held it back and it just says baby girl Mm. i didn't even think that i would have to like fill out a death certificate but we did get her footprint which i didn't i remember just like breaking down crying and they brought them in because they had prepared me so wholeheartedly for not having anything And my son will actually like, he still, he will, uh, will walk by them and give them kisses sometimes. His sister. He, he's funny. Like he's just started sort of talking about her and like, oh, I have a sister, you know. It's, really it's so great that you integrate that into his life. Cause that's the truth, you know? Yeah. He has a you were he's got guardian. <laughs> Yeah. And you, and you were a changed mother for him. You had a baby before him, you know, he is the second child. That is his biography. It's yeah. And it's so funny because I still, it's like a gauge whether I really want to interact with people or not, because, you know, you get that question all the time, which is a question that I don't ask people after going through this experience is like, Oh, do you have, you have more than one kid? Or do you have, is this your only child? And right. sometimes I will say, no, I lost a daughter, you know, um, because I like to honor her. But like, sometimes yeah. I don't want to engage with people and give them the whole thing. So I just say, yes, but it's such a, it's such a, a loaded question for me. It's not just like a flippant. Well, how many kids do you have? Well, thank you. Um, thank you for sharing that. I, 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 I don't know if I ask, but I'll be more mindful now that I, spoke to you and I'm sure the listener will too because it's such a normal normal thing to ask it's such a but um but we don't know and it doesn't matter (laughs) for my for my grocery interaction it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't matter I have um I I do family constellations like I have a sort of certificate into in it and it's a healing modality I didn't know you had that yeah, I, I've done like a bunch of, I don't know, I don't always practice it, but uh, but in the family constellation, abortions and miscarriages and stillbirths and loss of loved ones are in the family constellation. So it would be mom and dad and Sela and Wilder. Mm. That's the family. That's the family. Yeah. 
Um, so it's like a really beautiful thing for for a child. It, I mean, according to this, you know, um, line of thinking, which I think is a really beautiful resource. But according to Family Constellation, it's always really important for the living children to know where they stand in the constellation. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. How long did it take before you got um, pregnant again? Um, we, you know, anybody who, well, I don't want to speak for anybody. When I went through this, all I wanted was to be pregnant again. I was like, I just, I just want what was gone. Like what's gone. Cause the, you know, like your milk comes in and you have to go through all of the, and I was just like, you're so aware that you're so empty after feeling the kicks of your child and going through this whole process. And for me, like, oh my God, we were almost there. <laughs> we were almost there. And now I have to go back and like do this all over again. Um, but we decided we wanted to get through that year. And also typically your doctor will recommend you waiting. Um, I think it was like eight weeks or six weeks or something to just even start the uterus lining needs to replenish. Yeah, so that you don't have another situation. Um, and <laughs> for us, we had a really bad year. We lost our, our dog. We announced we were pregnant on Mother's Day. Our dog, my sweet little girl, who was like 10 years old, um, she died the next day. <laughs> we were on a vacation. I held her when she passed, like, I'm really grateful for the experience of getting to walk through that with her. Um, but I just remember sobbing in my bed after losing Zella being like, we have nothing. We have nothing. (sighs) Our dog was gone. Our daughter was gone. So I was like, I don't think I need to get like, just on even ground. So that happened. We lost Zella in August and something that I recommend people doing because it was very helpful for me um, was doing a, uh, God, what did I call it? Was it a ritual? It, it's a, oh, we called it a due date escape. And mm. so they, Justin and I had been talking about like, how does it feel to be here in our apartment? I was like, icky, awful, want nothing to do with it. I don't want to be here. I don't, I just, we have to go somewhere. We have to get out of here. And we have to reconnect because we've been through trauma. Um, so we, we went to Hawaii on her due date for like a week or something and just got out of town. And we got to honor the ceremony, but honored her and, did the whole thing. And that was in November. She was due on November 4th. Um, and oh, then wow, it's coming up. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Um, and then we started trying again in like January and I think it took right away because Wilder was born in October. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. And clearly wow. I have a new doctor this time. I never went back to see that other doctor. <laughs> Thank fucking God. I hope she never practices medicine ever again. She must have been under some serious duress. I mean, maybe she like pulled an all-nighter and had some sort of horrible life situation 
to behave yeah, I, that way. I want to agree with you. I want to, I, for a long time, I was like, I don't know, maybe we caught her on a bad day. And then I was like, that doesn't explain why she never called to check up on me. That's right. Well, then we know that it's not about her. Then we know that it's a system that would yeah. employ her and support her. And that we would even question if we would win a medical malpractice suit. Right. Right. And then we wonder, wait, I mean, I sound like, I feel like I sound like a squeaky wheel when I'm like, because we hate women. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but it just keeps coming back to that. It does, doesn't the- it? It does, doesn't it? Except yeah. here, I think that, that this is a form of resistance, I do believe. I do believe telling your story. If you can, there are people who cannot. Totally. There are people who cannot. There are people, even like my friends who have had elective abortions and are riddled with shame. That is a, a, a toxic, horrible, horrible cocktail of hormones and emotions. There are people who cannot. You have the strength. You have the wherewithal. That's somehow right. to tell the story. That's why I feel like I I have to talk about it is because I can and I know that there are plenty of people who feel like deep shame about their experiences. Mm-hmm. I know why because so many religions are made to only make you feel shame. Um, you know, it's a great I, way to control you. Yeah. My whole extended family and you know they're very religious. Mm. on one side of my family. And I remember when I was going through this, I was sharing everything that I was going through and the medical options that I chose for my daughter and for myself and for my sanity. And still they continue, even knowing me and knowing what I went through and knowing how traumatic that experience was, um, still take the side of absolutely no, never, never abortions. No. God, it's against, it's against God's will. And I'm like, oh, where? No. I don't see that anywhere. <laughs> wow. And that, you know, I mean, I, I forget what state it's in. Is it Arizona? There's a bunch of Jewish people in Arizona, maybe, who were five. <laughs> lawsuits against the state for you know messing with their religion and I'm like yes yes, yes. because not, it's not it's not just one I mean it is a, it is a nation of Christianity whatever right. that means right but we're here for religious freedom that's yes. what we're here for that's how this country was so, formed how do we yeah I, yeah. yeah yeah well you know, not to uh, by any means sidestep the uh, mind-boggling confusion, outrage of it all, but I do know that you have been um, so active in this field and if there are, you know, if you have resources or calls to action for us to make any progress, um Oh, yeah. Can you share? Yeah, you're you're welcome to share. And if not, and if not, and if today is about this this testimony for us to know what's going on to lift the veil, that's yeah. that's also more more than more. I wish I had taken a moment before coming on to write down a lot of stuff. I mean, I 
I follow Busy Phillips, and I love mm-hmm. her. She does a lot of work around abortion and healthcare, um, and so she shares resources all the time. So if you ever have a second, check out her Instagram. I believe she has a lot of stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's constantly, you know, pushing back. I have waves of it. I have waves where I get so angry and it motivates me to be super active about it. And I have times like this current moment in time where I feel so angry, but also so sad. And I feel so debilitated because I'm just like, how are we here? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I think like, well, I think, you know, how we're here, we just can't stay here. Um, I think it's important for us you know, I keep saying this is important. This is important. Shut up, Rabani. I think it's, um, I think the outrage is probably the first step. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was, you know, I was like, oh, we should get resources to make a change. And that's true. And we'll put that in the show notes. Yes. But I think today is about the absolute outrage that a person could be treated that way. A person. She, you happen to have a uterus. And what's crazy, what's crazy is that like, this world would not go round if there weren't women making people. Yeah. Um, so I think the outrage is absolutely the first step. I really do. I think like we are allowed to leave this this hour of talking and be overwhelmed and outraged and sad. And that is actually progress because otherwise we're lying to ourselves about what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it makes me terrified to think that there's a world in which it could all be taken away and our daughters won't have that same access to that kind of medical. Because if I don't want to say when, but, if it gets overturned, when it gets overturned. Um, it's going to take a long time to get back to just where we were. <laughs> Not even progressing beyond that, but just to get back on like even ground. So we can't let it happen. Lulu, I was so in denial that this is even an issue when I was seeing your posts in 2018. Yeah. And like I said, I live in a progressive state and a progressive city. You live in California. Yeah, I lived in I mean. Um, and the things that we were told, like, uh, bring a bag of cash and go to this back alley in San Francisco. I'm like, okay, I guess I got to get all this cash and drive to San Francisco. And like, this is California. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wow. I really like to wrap these things up with a nice little bow because that's my job, right? I'm the host. <laughs> yeah. And I just don't think that's possible. And that's that's health care. Mm-hmm. That's mental wellness. Is that this is a tragedy, personal tragedy, that's for sure. But also a tragedy for our society yeah. that we could let this go. And 
not tell these stories for fear of the truth, Mm -hmm. for fear of the grief. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wish I could hug you. Oh, I wish I could hug you too. I wish I could hug you. I think it's really amazing. Like technology is so cool that we get to even hang out at all. And there's there's a time for hugs and the time is now. I know. I'm hugging you. <laughs> yeah. I'm hugging you. <laughs> thank you for having thank you for, it. Thank you for sharing your beautiful story, your cello with us. Of course. Thank you for... And you're wilder too. <laughs> oh, you're <yeah. laughs> wild one. <laughs> appreciate you know I like we very often have actresses on because you know you're my people (laughs) I do think I do think like there's something so beautiful about how you hold hold the grief and the higher mind at the same time Mm. you know you can hold the grief and you can hold the um, importance at the same time and I'm genuinely grateful Oh, thank you. Deeply, deeply grateful for you. Thank you. Where can we find you, by the way? Where can we find your beautiful work? Yeah, on Instagram, because mm-hmm. alts, and I'm not on TikTok, except to just look at people. Oh boy, ditto. <laughs> I am at Lady Lou of the Wolves, Lady L-U of the Wolves. Um, that was my first handle when I got on Instagram, and now I'm verified, and I can't change it to save my life, so... I guess I'm stuck. Um, <laughs> uh, and um, my website is nothing of which to speak of at this point in time, mm. but it's uh, Great. it's in my Instagram handle if you want to check it out one day when it's done. <laughs> it's where all my de- you're active on in- you're active on Instagram. I see your design work. I see your yeah. sweet sweet boy. <laughs> I see your heart. I see your 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 cute face and your style. I see you, and I'm sure that there are people out. Um, listening right now who uh, who want to reach out so thank you for letting letting us in thank you for having me thank you 